With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, I've got Doug Gottlieb. Doug and I are going to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson. We're going to talk about some of the prospects that uh, he has enjoyed seeing this season. Doug's right now in Minnesota for the Michigan-Minnesota game tonight. Uh, Doug, how you doing, man? I'm good. You know, it's always amazing. Last night was like the, the only night maybe all year that college basketball was the only thing on. and It was a great game, and it caused this kind of bizarre conversations afterwards, but um, good time to capitalize on it. I just wish we had a game where it was more competitive and, uh, and, and we were talking about, about hooping and all this other stuff. Well, it was take apocalypse last night and like even into today, right? Like it was just a total mess. And part of the reason that I wanted to reach out to you is because I actually think you and I have pretty different perspectives on this stuff. And I think uh-huh. that you're someone who comes back at me on stuff. So I actually, it's not like we're going to argue about it, but like at the same time, I think that you have a certain perspective where you come at this and look at the value of college basketball within Zion Williamson and how it has helped Zion Williamson. So whenever you see Zion Williamson last night and, you know, for people who don't know, he gets injured 30 seconds into the game against North Carolina and it looks like a knee sprain of some sort. What is your immediate reaction? When he got hurt? Yeah. I, I can't believe I've never seen a shoe bust up like that. Really? Um, so I... So I had, I used to wear, people can go back and track this. I used to wear my shoes, I wear 12, and I used to wear like a 11 or a 10 and a half when I play because, um, because I like, I just like the feeling of it being tight on my foot, mm-hmm. you know? And part of it was, I mean, this is a little bit, no, I don't think anybody cares, but I was a little brother and my big brother uh, would always give me his hand-me-downs. And so my shoes were always thick, always. And then, you know, you start to get into high school, and I got every shoe I had ever wanted. And so I would just, I started getting my shoes smaller because I always hated when shoes felt too big. So I kind of overdid it, overcompensated. Anyway, when it be, I, I believe it was because I had my shoes too small. I, they would rip all the time on the, right where his ripped, which is right, um, I don't know what that is, on like the outside of your foot. <clears throat> and, and I was uh, kind of like Derrick Rose in, in terms of he played like low and lateral and you're really pushing off a ton. And, you know, like, I used to, I mean, I, I just distinctly remember playing the NCAA tournament wearing some Nike GP2s, and they blew out, and I was, like, devastated by it. And I had to throw on one of the walk-on sneakers for the end of the game. Um, but I've never seen, like, they used to just, you know, they'd come off a little bit, there'd be a little flap. Like, I've never seen the whole bottom of it. So I, my, my first thought, honestly, was, like, this is one of the issues with Zion that we're still going to have to figure out whether or not, forget about the shoes, can his body stand yeah. up to the punishment it's going to take with all the planting? Um, obviously, I don't want the kid to be hurt. I thought he was going to come back in because it felt, looked like he was fine, probably just scared himself, you know? 
Um, that was honestly my initial was, reaction as well, for what it's worth. I thought he scared himself. And then it comes out afterward, yeah. he has an actual knee sprain. So I was wrong about that. And, you know, certainly we were. But I right, agree but a knee with sprain, you that I mean, time. a knee sprain is such yeah. an innocuous, you know, it's such an innocuous, like, knee sprain. Like, I, I believe he has a knee sprain, but, like, they didn't really give us much. But anyway, go right. ahead. No, 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 I agree with you. And, and like, look, I mean, we can get into, like, hey, should he have been wearing, like, the PGs? Like, honestly, Probably not. That's a pretty small shoe for a guy. That's no, LeBron's, right? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think LeBron's are the easiest thing for him to wear because they're so thick. They're very sturdy. Um, I wonder if that'll happen at some point. I mean, he played on the Adidas circuit, so we'll see if he ends up going with Adidas and they end up creating his own shoe because obviously Zion is going to have his own shoe at some point. So I guess that when I first see him go down, I go, oh, no, this is terrible, first and foremost. And then, obviously, your reaction, which was, I've never seen this before on a basketball court where the shoe just totally blows out like this. And then third, it was, I knew we were going to have a million takes on whether or not Zion should be playing college basketball. And it frustrates me a little bit. And, like, my, I waited until, like, halftime to tweet Look, like Zion should do whatever the fuck Zion wants to do, right? Like if he wants to play, right, go play. Right. If he wants to sit yeah. down, go sit down. I do think his circumstance is different than other just like random lottery picks. I think that that's like a comparison that's been made uh, today. It is a little bit different, I think. But it's just, I think people are trying to make decisions for Zion in a way that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Totally. That's what we do on social media. And, and honestly, it's like, you know, I, I, I feel like, like Trey Young, I feel looks like an asshole today. I mean, Trey Young made his, made his way into the lottery because of college basketball and because he chose a school close to home where they let him do whatever the fuck he wanted to do every time he came up and down the court. To, to his team's detriment, by the way, they didn't hold him more accountable defensively in terms of shot, and shot selection, right? But, yeah. but for Trey Young, like, it couldn't have worked out any better any better like Trey, Trey Young embodies the the absolute best of what can happen in a one and done where the kid doesn't he may personally have expected a one and done but you know like honestly I, I I've known Ray I played against Ray his dad at Texas Tech he was, a, he was a hell of a player and we talked about it and he was like look one of the things that we're thinking of is when we go to Kentucky Trey's not really a one and done like you know, like, like P.J. Washington's a, a rare success story where a lot of times kids don't want to go to Kentucky because they're like, well, if I don't go one and done, now they're going to recruit over me and I'll never get out of there, right? Yeah. Like, so, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know Ray as well as you do, but, like, I talked to him about that as well, and they, they thought going into the year Trey was two and done. They didn't think one and done. Yes, correct, correct. So it, my point is it could not have worked out any better for, for Ray, yeah, for Trey, any better. Like, he goes there, he leaves the country in scoring, Assist. He's a top five draft pick. He's at, He's in a team that they're not trying to win now, so he can figure it out kind of on the fly. And he'll play. He's going to play in the league fifteen years, right? And so he comes out on Twitter like, you know, and it's it's different because it's Zion. Like, look, dude, you you should be championing championing this. You should be going like, it's great. You grow your brand. He wouldn't have a Puma deal if he didn't go to didn't go to college and put up numbers. And for Zion, like. As much as we all had a curiosity about Zion, sure, uh, you know, I've talked to people. I've talked to people who had the, who had the exact same opinion that I did on Zion last year, which is like, man, no position, looked a little sloppy. You know, does he play hard? Can he shoot? I mean, we still don't like. He's still not a great shooter. I think no. he's going to be terrific. I think he's going to be a really good pro, 
especially a small ball center and a, and a, and a 2019 undersized power forward. I think he'll be great. But, I mean, look, he's really helped himself by not just, not just going to Duke and buying in and getting in shape and playing hard for Coach K. But let's be honest, the Duke brand is a good one. And he's made Duke watchable, likable, in, in, enjoyable. And I think those two things go together. I think he's benefited greatly from the relationship. And, um, and, and can we, we'll sit here and go like, well, you know, that was the hottest ticket in town. Hey, do a little research. I went back to 2013 every year. Since 2013, and I'm guessing before that, Duke, North Carolina is the highest-rated college basketball game by a mile. Do you know why? Because Coach K and Roy Williams, they bring in dudes every year, and they play likable styles, and they get after it, and they play close games. Is it a little different with Zion? Yeah, because he's a YouTube sensation, because he dunks, but, and because Obama was there. But there's also, there was nothing else on. It, like, it was, and, and literally, it was perfectly scheduled. Congratulations to ESPN. You know, it was the latest they'd ever played the first matchup. But they did it because it was the last day when there was no other basketball on TV. It was great. So that helped it out as well. My point is always, we, we talk about these kids, like, the abuse and abuse. Like, look, dude, when you're a good player and you're 14 years old, we've made it so easy now. You don't come out of pocket for anything. You don't buy a pair of shoes. You just become entitled. And there's nothing wrong with a little elbow grease and getting after in college basketball playing for a year, two years, three years, four years, I don't care. You'll end up growing your brand, making friends and experiences for a lifetime, and you end up the better because of it. And yeah, maybe there's a kid or two, a Zion Jameson or two, who could go out and sell some jerseys and make some money. But for 99.9% of the kids, it's not really that way. College basketball is not really that popular. That's actually the craziest thing about it. That's actually right. the part that the Zion thing actually drives home more clear. And he didn't have to sign up for it. He did, and he's gone all in. And we have all these people who, like, Trey Young did it not because I think, I don't know if he really feels that way, but part of it is, like, if you get in social media, and he's a social media guy, you're just like, well, this is what everybody thinks because you become in this, you get in this alternate universe where everybody thinks the NCAA is the devil. You know, everybody thinks, like, I saw you retweeted DeMarcus Cousins' thing. Like, like DeMarcus Cousins, who's a lot smarter than anybody ever given credit, yeah, but he sounds like an idiot when he's like, "Well, look at all the money they're charging for those tickets. Where's that money go? It's a secondary ticket market. It doesn't go in Duke's pocket, you dummy. Come on, man, you're better than that." <laughs> it's fair. You know? No, I mean, but like, here, I just kind of want to jump off of a lot of points that you brought up there. Uh, so first, ahead. I think that the most valuable, the craziest thing about all of this is he has made Duke likable. Zion has made Duke likable. Yes. Like full stop. Everyone yes. wants to watch Zion. Um, second, so you bring up the idea of Zion's brand being grown through Duke. I don't yeah. know that I totally agree with that. I, I think that Zion's brand eventually, like say he goes, we just have nothing to test it against, right? Say Zion goes to the G League and we see this dude in the G League leaping, like essentially box jumping small houses and crushing basketballs with his palm he's still going to get like a crazy shoe deal because he still would have killed the G League this year, I think. Like he still would have gone first overall once we saw what he could have done well, against elite well, level players, I, honestly, I think. Like, like I'll, be, I'll be totally honest with you. I don't know if that's the case. Like, look, do, do, well, the G League will never get the ratings. I mean, the perfect example is I, I don't care who you are. Like Duke Carolina outrates everything no matter who plays for Duke Carolina. That's just no question. the way it goes, that's, right? That's, that's fire, true. You know, so... Um, and would he have been on TV more? Would they have found a way to put it on TV? Sure. I'm sure they yeah. would have at the G League. But, like, he also would have been playing against grown-ass men. 
You know, and but, but here's the thing, deeper. though. I think Zion and, is specifically well equipped to do that, though. Like specifically, he is six foot six, six foot whatever he is, two hundred eighty-five pounds. He is more athletic than literally everybody in the G League, and that, this comes from someone who, like, I talk extensively about how great the G League is regularly, and like, I think he the G League is awesome. But, but but actually, the G League kind of makes my point. I know you have other things you want to get to, but the G League makes my point. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the brand, in the brand of college basketball is basically is that here's how strong the brand is. Okay, you you and I know this. Are the players better in the G League than they are in college basketball? No doubt, they are by by a country mile. Yeah, it's right. Not... They are because they are some of the college basketball players from the last five years, yeah. and they've developed and they're playing a pro game. They're shooting put right. And yeah, like there are like always about the G League. Well, there are always five players in college basketball that are better, basically, than everyone in the G League. I think the rest of I, it. I actually don't think that. I actually don't. You don't think, think that's, that's true? true? I, I think no. He, dude. He, how do you, he's hit? How many threes he hit all season long? Well, I think Ten? that you can look at. Well, yeah, he's hit probably. I think he's shooting twenty eight percent from three. But here would be my case to you. Just, so. DeAndre yeah. Ayton right now is averaging like 16 and 10 in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you can look yeah. up and down. But they can't the list. win because like, he, he, can't, he can't really defend. But yeah, okay. Sure, but he would have been the best player in the G League this year pretty easily, I think. Uh, but, but last year, would he have been as dominant in the G League as he was in, uh, in, college, in college basketball? I think the answer is no. I mean, there's just no big guys in college basketball. You know, like anybody who's yeah. any good as, as a big guy is gone, which is crazy because the league is going away from some of the big guys. But anybody who's any good as a big guy, like they just go, just go right away. Uh, and so I, you know, DeAndre Ayton's playing against a bunch of stiffs last year, whereas in in the NBA, I don't think he in the G League, I don't think it would have been. He he was a man against boys. And look, I saw Zion in person in the, the Louisville game. He was great. Sure. I mean, he was way better. I, I liked him way more watching him in person in that game than I did previously. I liked him before that. Um, but I mean, like, remember, look who he's playing against with Louisville. And then like, he's, he's country strong, but I mean, he is not, he does not have a, a man body yet, believe it or not. Like there's still room for, look at all these guys, look at LeBron's body. Like LeBron's got this, these guys, when, when they get to be, he's only 18 years old, right? Like, he gets to 21. Like he's going to be a freak. He's going to be, I guess like 260 and he'll have the V. You know, his waist will be taken in. So I'm, I'm not saying he's sloppy, but he's a better version now, and he'll be even better. And, like, look, you're playing against, you play against grown-ass men. So, I mean, you could go through the big guys. I don't think he would be as dominant. And, I mean, look, he, he does struggle shooting the basketball, and when you play professional basketball, you have to shoot it more, and you have to shoot from deeper against better competition. So I don't think it would be as, as much of a snap. But, but my, my point is, like, it's we, we we do. You actually brought up a great point, uh, kind of unknowingly, in that we both agree the G League has really good players, right. and they run better offense. And you know, like I've I've watched Steve Mahila go in and light up the G League, and it's it's pretty awesome to watch. Certainly um, more translatable offense to what the no, NBA is. It's it, nobody cares because we don't care about minor league basketball. We like college basketball with the coaches, with the arenas, with the cheerleaders, with the fans with the smaller gyms that people show up to with TV and ESPN, like, sorry, that brand has been established. And we keep trying to, we keep trying to perfect a really, really, really good system 
And I, I just hate all these guys coming out and acting and, and almost like voting him into like, you got to shut it down. Like when did college basketball become so dangerous that he's risking life or limb playing seven or eight more games? I, I didn't know that that really occurred. Well, yeah, I am generally with you that I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world for him to keep playing. Like, I, you know, if he wants to play, he should play. Uh, period. That is what I believe. But what I will say is this. I do think that there is a medium between, you know, the NCAA is fucking dog shit trash and these kids should get paid. This is like a slavery cartel system. And, you know, the NCAA is doing all that it can for these kids. The NCAA is great. It's doing uh, so much value for so many people because at the end of the day, what Zion is getting from Duke I think is less valuable than the extra year of earning potential in terms of what his shoe deal would be uh, in the G league this year and what he could potentially get paid if we could fix the scheme a little bit better. You know what I mean? Like there, there's just a medium. Yeah, but, but see, but see, here's, here's, the, here's the problem. With it. Here, here's, here's the problem. With it, okay. And this is, it's going to happen. You know, like, look, the real reason that there's going to be, there was a one and done rule. And that they're going to go, they're going to go away from it. It's not because the owner, the GMs, the coaches, the most of the most of the players don't want to want don't want them to come straight out. The players because there's guys that'll take guys jobs that aren't really that good. The coaches because you draft a guy in the first round, even with the G League, at some point you're going to have to play him, and you can't win with young players, right? For like, what it's worth, I agree with you on the coaches and GMs not wanting this to happen, right? They do not want to happen. And because, yes. like, read Steve Kerr's piece. He's like, dude, it's a joke. They're not ready. They're, they're not grown-ups. They're not grown men. They don't shoot that well. They don't know how to play. And when we draft a kid in the first round and he's 18 years old, we've got to play him. Because the owner's like, hey, dude, you drafted this kid in the first round. He can't play? Like, no, no, it's going to take time. Like, okay, but I want to see him play. And look, watch any team in the NBA who's trying to tank. You don't have to do anything other than play your young guys. And you automatically tank because you can't win with young guys. You can't win with kids. In a man's game. So, um, uh, but the reason that it, that the, the reason that that agents are the ones who want it, and the reason they want it is because it pushes these guys. It speeds up the clock towards them getting towards the second contract, right? Now, even if sometimes that second contract doesn't come or doesn't isn't as good a contract as it should be, agents are just thinking about second contract. So, so I, I think it's I, more I, than I, agents, though. I will say that. Like, I think that just no, from but a it's moral a narrative. Like, look, we don't like. Sam, Sam, this, the same people, like, we don't like Congress. We, we don't like, like, the whole we don't like the NCAA thing. Like, it's so stupid. It's just so dumb. Like, do I think the NCAA is perfect? No. Do I think, for the most part, the spirit is in the right place? I do. It's a complicated thing. you got 350 schools. You well, got it works Title for 99% of yes. kids. Correct. It's a great thing for that. And you can't, so you can't adjust to the smallest minority. That's not the way, that's not the way bureaucracies work. you got to do with the majority. And this is the way this way it is. And they continue. I think they continue to get better and better and better and make more sensible rules. But like, look, we're ruling the sport. I just I got to like I got to tell you the 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 idea of open transfers is going to be a disaster. Like you do this for a living, you do a great job. You know, you your depth of knowledge for these guys, recruits into college, is better than mine. I've been doing this for sixteen years now, and I'm telling you, every year it gets more and more difficult to prepare. Because you're like, oh, shit, I forgot that guy transferred. Oh, where, wait, who, what? Wait, I saw him, too. Guys are playing at three schools. I, I will admit and, you know, that. At some point, we're going to have a guy play at four schools. It's going to happen. And it's a joke. 
and 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 we're making it we're making it so I talked to one of the uh, a guy who I think will be in the Hall of Fame and he's like look I can't say it because you get shouted down by social media and so many people who are so, but we're making it so easy for kids that like the second you bench them the second you bench them to teach them a lesson or if they're young kids and they, they just need to get better defensively and moving up fast. The second you do, their guy at home is like, hey, fuck this, we're out, let's transfer. And they go and they start moving. And then he, here's the, this is the big thing that everybody misses on. Okay? When you play at a school for, I think, two or more years, you become part of that basketball family. And, and you come on that school, you become a part of that kind of school. Right? And you see some of it with senior night. But I'm telling you, the rest of your life, that's where your friends are going to come from, your jobs are going to come from, your contacts are going to come from. And these dudes that bounce school to school to school, like it sounds cool, this grad transfer. But when you grad transfer, like let's take, um, uh, what's his name, Cremo, the kid at, at Joe Cremo at Villanova. Yep. Joe Cremo, right? He got a chance. He had a chance. He went and visited Kansas, and I was there. And he went and visited Villanova. And it's hard. Like Villanova's won two out of three national titles, and they offer you a scholarship. That's a hard thing to turn down. Okay, but I don't know if you realize Alabama, I mean, Albany, those guys might get fired, right? So he ain't ever going back to Albany. He's got a degree, he's got an undergraduate degree from the University of Albany. You think they're going to welcome him back with open arms when he fucked their program by leaving his senior season? No, I wouldn't. Fuck you, dude. I'm not bringing you back. No way. Let me just say that if Albany fires Will Brown, that is the worst firing. Like, that might be worse than firing Scott Cross. I agree. Will's done a great job, but like, think about it if you're Will. Like, I take this kid, he becomes an all-league player, and then his senior year, he graduates on time, and he's out. Now, look, he might have left anyway, but why don't you have a rule where, where you, have to, you have to sit a year even as a grad transfer? Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I just prefer... I would prefer... Don, I'm getting orange and popcorn here. Oh, that's great. I would prefer the kids be able to transfer where they want. And the reason is that I think we need to give these kids some sort of ability to dictate their own lives. Like just straight up. Like we need to give them more ability to dictate what they want to do. Yeah, from yeah. Their moral they, perspective. They, do, they do. They do. But there also has to be, this is your first adult decision. Your first adult decision. And you're going to make mistakes in your adult decision. And you get a well, chance, to, chance to transfer. You can well, make here, Here's the other thing decision. too, though, with it, like co- coaches, I think the, a lot of coaches do a really good job with this. A lot of coaches are very realistic, especially at lower levels about what they think of kids. But, like, it, it's not above coaches to lie about what a role is going to be here. You know what wow. I mean? Like, this is not... It's what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? It's not above coaches to lie about what a kid's role is going to be, or potentially the kid just is unhappy at a school and wants to move. Like, kids transfer universities no, no, that are in no, engineering listen, all the time. You know what I mean? Listen, I, I, I'm not saying, listen, I'm, tra- transferring is not evil. Okay, there's nothing wrong with you're not happy with your role, you're not happy, sometimes you're not happy at school, but like, look, this, these guys that, that transfer semester of their first year, like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you may have shown up and said, this is not a place for me. Like, go through the whole season. And then you walk into the coach. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm just telling you like the, the idea that we should allow kids to go where they want, like, Hey, sometimes no is the right answer. Sometimes you have to grow and learn from a mistake and make the best of it and go back. And I mean, like, look, the, the truth about Notre Dame with me was I wanted to transfer cause I wasn't happy cause we didn't, we didn't, we had no, we, we didn't practice transition basketball. We didn't play fast. 
I was good in the full court on the half court. I mean, hell, John McLeod, I, I only went off ball screens to shoot in high school coming to my left. Only, that's it. Like, I, I had to learn to go to, go to my right, even though I'm right-handed. Yeah. Um, and every ball screen we ran, every, every ball screen action we ran was to my right. And, like, it was like he wasn't listening. And so finally, before I got in trouble, I was thinking about transferring. And then when I got in trouble, I didn't want to transfer because I didn't want to be the kid that pushed out because, um, thank you so much, because I got in trouble. You know, I was willing to do whatever it, whatever it took, whatever it took. Anyway, that, that, that's not something heroic of me. Uh, my point is, like, hey, I was super unhappy. I understand, and I, I know to this day that had I stayed in Notre Dame and not gotten in trouble, you know, by year two, I would have felt much more at home because I had a buddy coming in there. By year three, I would have been kind of the man, and by year four... I probably would be ready to go like any senior on any college campus. So, you know, kids don't know what they don't know. They don't understand that, hey, sometimes not getting your way actually helps you in the long term. And we're so, we bend over so backwards to make sure, hey, we just want to make sure everybody's happy. This is no different than the participation trophy problem that we have in youth sports. Like, look, sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to go somewhere and you're going to learn to be a great teammate. You know, I mean... Uh, the thing is, though, yeah, I, mean, that, that's kids, just, that, that's, I think we're off. I think we're off track in terms of the elite kids, though. You know what I mean? Yes. Like this. You're like Doug. You were a good player, no question. Like your credentials speak for themselves on the floor. But you weren't one and done. Like potential kid that could no go question. and no like immediately be in the NBA. Like you were a kid yeah. that needed to grow. And I think that there is something to the fact that kids don't know what they want until really they get it right and sometimes hearing no is a realistic scenario they, they, they also they, they also all think they're going pro sam like sam when they That's open it a lot of them do up, yeah i mean a lot of them do for a, sure. I, I i heard a story the other day from a secondary source there's a scout that came in talked to michigan state and he was in the locker room and Izzo had to talk to him <laughs> he said and the scout said uh, how many of you guys uh, think you're gonna you want to play in the NBA? They all have four teammates are hands. So how many guys legitimately think you're gonna play in the NBA? And four teammates are hands. And he goes, "Well, that's great. I, I don't have to t- travel the country because I was just at uh, Kansas the day before, and they had 14 guys, and you got 14 guys, and you know there's only 30 first round draft picks, and you know five or six of them are Europeans so that cuts down I don't have to go to you know like if you go to these locker rooms you ask them like legit man man you think you're playing the league they all do and so well, they think they're playing you, the league oh, but they're not they don't think they're like leaving that year in a lot of cases at least a lot of them are unrealistic no but, but it's the idea it's the, it's the idea it's the idea of you know however many high major leagues you want you want to say like every one of those teams sure. has three or four kids that think they can leave and go to the pros and Eventually, it may even out, but it's going to be super ugly early on. And we have a great system. Well, here, here's the question, system. Though. You get a chance to play. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Should we have – is it okay to have this ugliness for five years or seven years or whatever it takes to get to a situation where these super, super elite kids that are confounding the system right now are getting fairly compensated for what they are? But they are getting fairly compensated. See, I don't agree with that. See, this is where we definitely disagree on this because I agree with you that generally for the like normal college basketball kid, even a kid like, for instance, Aaron Henry at Michigan State, who I think is like 
you know, a potential 2021 first round pick, something like that. Like he right now is getting a fair deal. Kids like Zion, kids like RJ Barrett, kids like Cam Reddish, etc. To me, they are not because their value is worth more than what Duke provides for them. Duke provides value for them. I agree with you on that. The brand relevance of Duke provides value. The scholarship is of some value, especially considering, or if they can go back to school, I actually don't know what Duke's rules are in terms of being able to send them back or being able to go back to your degree. Yeah. Um, It's an ACC rule. It's an NCAA rule. I bet you go back. Yeah. So that's great. But I think that their value in terms of what they provide for Duke exceeds what they get back from Duke. And that is where the unfairness, I think, comes in. Well, I would disagree because I think it doesn't exceed it. I mean, but they get into a school they couldn't get into on their own. That's not to knock the intelligence level. That's actually just telling you, as you know, how difficult it is to get into a college, especially one like Duke. Yeah, you're like I got, the best, the best. I mean, I got like a, I think a 1300 on my SATs. I was, you know, I had like near a 4.0 GPA and I had no chance to get into Duke. You know what I mean? It gets progressively harder every year, you know? And it's like $65,000 a year to go there. Now you'd have aid if you were one of these kids and you did get him. But the, the point is, you're getting right. into a place so, that you couldn't get into. So here's and, my and, thing, and, though. And look, that's, and, so that's a that's a $250,000 value, let's say, him getting a degree, okay. someone getting a degree like that, right? He's getting yeah. $250,000 $250, for a year, for a year, right? No, for four years. We're saying it's $65,000 a year to go to Duke, right? So $250,000 for a scholarship, right? Post-tax, sure. That's, post-tax, that means you got to make four hundred grand to pay that, but okay. So $400,000. And then, let's say, training. Cool, you couldn't get you know, into it, so pre-draft, yeah. pre-draft training is probably for, mm-hmm. let's say, six months. It's probably $100,000, something like that, on yeah. top of that. Sure. Um, let's say, I mean, just having access to an elite-level coach like Coach K. You know, let's, let's yep. ta- that's kind of an innumerable value, but let's tack on an extra $100,000 for the hell of it, right? Um, getting access to him for six months. So... The brand value, we can also add. We can say there's some sort of value there. I think that Zion would have been found regardless. I think that he would have gotten his deal regardless in terms of endorsements, but whatever. Let's throw on mm-hmm. some value there. I think Zion is genuinely worth like $10 million to Duke this year, probably. Like, I think it is an insane yeah, I mean, like, make, number like, that he that. is worth. So if he could have made $10 million going to the G League and signing a shoe deal, he could have chosen to do it. Nobody stopped him from doing it. We don't, make, we don't need to change any rules or anything. Like, if you have that kind of brand resonance, and, and he might have, with his, as a YouTube sensation, everybody watching him in the AAU showdowns against Lamelo and, and all the dunks in high school, you know, that, that's fine. Like, nobody's, nobody's forcing you to go. Zero people, nobody forced him to go. It's still very clearly, college is still very clearly the best option for these kids. And we should right. have a system where the best option fairly compensates them, in my opinion. Like, we should have a situation. Like, it doesn't have to be a drastic change. Problem, the, 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 We're not talking about, like, but you know, it, but changing it is, But it is, because, it is because then you start kind of working down the line. Right? Like, all right, what about Trey Jones? Like, what's his value? You know? And then you work through, you say, well, Trey Jones can collect money. Like, does this, 
you know, what do you do for the for the yeah, women's well, sports? Like, that's just why, not what why is it. Why is it so bad though? Like, why is it so bad that like, to let Zion and Trey Jones? But that's just like kind of an archaic old thing. You know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It, that's it, they've they've kind of they've sat there and go like, hey, look, that's just not who we are. And you're you're more than welcome to go and play whatever form of college, NBA uh, professional basketball you can. While you're here, this is what you do. You know, there's rules for for everything. It's like you know, I, I've heard Bill was talk about it. Well, there's no no other profession. Well, that's not true. He's a lawyer. Like you can't just go pra- practice law until you go to school. Then you got to take the you, then you got to take. Um, what is it called? Is it the MCAT? I don't even know. I have, I have no, no. The LSAT, LSAT for yeah, lawyer, LSAT. yeah. You take the LSAT, and then you got to go to law school. Then you got to take the bar before you can ever call yourself a lawyer. Like, you don't get the fast, you don't get the skip steps there. You don't. Like, we have different rules for different sports, different things. And Right, but know, isn't the idea I mean, there like, that look, Jay probably could not have been a lawyer coming directly out of high school? He needed the training to become a lawyer and learn the actual but, like, but, but what if, of it? I mean, what, what if you're one of these savants that you read every book and you study everything and you quote chapter and verse and why do I got to go to law school? Like, I'm good enough to do it, you know? And, and by the way, the NBA thing, that's a collectively bargained upon deal. That doesn't have to do with the NBA. Right, that's not what the NBA. Yeah. When, yeah. when you're in our house, it's like, it's basically what you know, my dad would always say, where I had a 12 o'clock curfew even when I went away to college. And I would say like, hey, why do I have a 12 o'clock curfew? When I go to school, I don't have a curfew. And he's like, well, that's cool. When you're in school, you do what the fuck you want. When you're in my house, you do what I want. And that's really what the NBA is saying. They're not saying. They're not saying this is perfect for everybody. They're saying this is what they've decided is the best for the greatest number of people. And you know what? Like, if you, if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to do it. No one forces you. Nobody puts a gun to your head. It's a really good system. And by the way, like for Zion, like, God forbid something happens or that uh, he has a Jay Williams. Like, I'm actually really bothered by Jay because Jay's been really smart in his, career, in his media career. And, like, let's be honest, everything that he draws upon, all his successes is because of the legend that he created at Duke. He lives off that image. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I live off my image at Oklahoma State. And I wasn't nearly the player that Jay was. That's, that's what gets you into the business world. That's how it works. But the bigger thing is, like, look, I'm not saying you make terrible points, but you'd have to change the entire system. You have to – now, are you – if you're collecting money okay, and so here, taxes here. on it, like, how, how, how like, does – there's a lot of, there's, so here, here's my thing then. How does allowing kids to make money off their likeness change the entire system? It makes you professional. To an extent, sure. No, you're a professional. You're getting paid to do something. You're a professional. Right. Now but... you're, being, you're, you're being compensated with room board scholarship um, and, and all, the other, all the other things. Like Now it's, it's a job without – you can't be fired. It's a job that has limitations on hours of participation – it's a job, but you don't have to pay for any, any taxes on any of the benefits. You get, you know, you get all these for, different That money's perks, coming from the outside, get, though. That's not coming from inside where, you know, theoretically the school can't fire you or, like, the coach, you know, this happens, but the coach theoretically can't run you off the team. Um, like, it, it's, it's coming from the outside. So that's kind of – that's not the point, though, is it? What, what money is coming? Oh. If, if they're coming from their likenesses. Because, yeah. Yeah, because you don't want you want you want a guy like listen. If you if you make it or don't make it in college basketball, we want to make you. It's because you don't want to you don't ever want to run the risk up. Hey, you're taking money from a car guy. So uh, I mean, look, you're gonna you're gonna dramatically change the entirety of the system. 
because if you do it for men's basketball, you got to do it for women's basketball. And you got to do it for all these other sports. And is that bad, though? Like, 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 is, is, is getting, is getting yeah. these kids access yeah, to money not, bad? I mean, like, look, in the, in the dollars and cents of um, collegiate sports, it is bad because, like, look, you sell the naming rights to for a team, for you sell stuff in the program, you sell all this stuff. You know, we take it, and it's because we pool together all of the, you know, whatever, all of the name and likeness rights, right? And we get a greater value out of all of those than we do out of one person. And, yeah, it takes away from a kid collecting money. But, you know, so what happens when a kid's starting quarterback and he's getting, he's getting paid and all of a sudden he gets benched? Like, what happens if they, they want to pull that, pull that money from him? You know, or what happens that to happens. the guy that's collecting like, money? Oh, so right? Yeah, but then you're, then you're, I mean, you're going to have social media outrage over, over that. Like, this is not, it's not a bidding war. It's not what we're talking about. You know, you're signing a contract. To have to have a school step everything, so you don't have to do anything, and they give you a cost of attendance, which I think frankly was 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 overdue, and that you have a little bit of money in your pocket, you know, between facilities and where you live. Like it, it's just there's no amount of money that you're going to make that's going to be life changing, game changing, and there's no amount of money that's going to stop people from cheating and from wanting to get a little bit more. So if you have a rule and this is how you want it to be, like we don't want you to be professionals, we don't have to you don't have to worry about paying taxes. And reporting earnings. We have to worry about, about different appearances that you're going to make for different car dealerships and the conflicting alliances of, hey, you know, wait, wait a second. Uh, Jimmy John's Ford and Billy Bob's Chevy, like Jimmy John's Ford paid for the naming rights for the, for our team, but he's a, she- but he's a Chevy guy. Like, dude, there's a, there's a bunch of unintended consequences that you're not, we're not even starting to, so, so college sports is just going like, yeah, hey, pass. That's not what we're about. And if you want to be about getting paid and having sponsorship dollars, that's cool. Go play the G League or go do the overseas thing or if the NBA changes their rules. You can go do that. But this is, this is the, the cost of admission is you got to keep your grades up. Okay? Um, you got to take a certain course load. You got to show up 20 hours a week. And you got to agree to not, you know, not take money for your name and, and likeness. But that's really, really what it's about. Yeah, I get that. I get that that's their perspective. Um, I just don't agree with it. I think that we need to find a way to fairly compensate these kids. And maybe it does come from the NBA. Like maybe that's the easiest solution. Maybe the NBA figures out a way to get more money to the G League and make it so G League teams can offer more competitive salaries. Right. And look, like the part of this that we're not really talking about is the fact that, you know, there are probably kids around the country getting paid under the table in terms of just where they're at, right? Uh, at college, shouldn't be getting paid, are getting paid. This stuff happens, you know? But I think that maybe maybe that's the goal. Maybe it should come from the NBA as opposed to maybe it should come from college. Well, I don't know, but I think what, we need, what, I mean, we need like, a look, there's, system there's a deal that there's a, there's a deal that I like that hockey has where you can be drafted and, you know, and, and then you go back to school and they still represent sure. your rights. I, I like that. I think these guys should be able to work out with, NBA teams more in the off season, you know, there should be a, they should work together. They don't. Um, and some of that is the NCAA worried about the NBA boogeyman. Some of that is the NBA. And like, look, I, I do, I think college coaches should grow and evolve and run more NBA stuff. I mean, I was, I mean, I'm kind of lost in this was, does Duke have an offense? Do they have a set? No, I mean, they, they just they run base motion like the whole game. They run base motion and but they run no early break stuff. That's but true. it's not even, they're not even, they're point. not running. <laughs> 
you know, roll and lift. Like I was, I was embarrassed for Roy Williams coached circles around him. And, and, and granted he had the better team because I wasn't there. So, and he had older players knew how to play, but they ran some beautiful stuff. They, they, they transitioned up and down the court. They spread him way out. You know, he's gotten away from some of the old, old box set plays that he used to always he still runs them, but everybody knows him in college basketball. He's been running them for forever. You know, like I think Izzo this year is running a lot more NBA style stuff. Like, but a lot of those guys they can't get out of their way. They keep running their own old stuff. So I, I think that is a, a, a would be a fair criticism. I think that I agree with you NBA, on. Uh, having having guys that that go, there should be a way in which you should put your name for the draft and you can come back. You know, there should be a way where you um, that I think they should create greater avenues for European players. All right, so you were a, on a junior team playing overseas. Okay. You know, I mean, European kids, I, I believe they still have to pay their own flight to get here. Like, what? Yeah, you know? That's crazy. Like, huh? It's crazy. Totally I crazy. Mean, and so so I, I think there's lots of smart fixes we can do. I don't think it's a smart fix to open it up and do the name and likeness thing. One, because in, in, in the, tr- the truth is, it, most guys don't really have the value. And so even though they would be I getting money, it would really be pay for, it would really be pay for play. And they just kind of said, like, hey, it's not what we're about. And in basketball specifically, you only have to do it for one year. We're talking about nine months. If you're really that good, one, you don't have to go. You can go to G League. Or two, come for nine months and then collect on the benefits of, like, Zion. The second his season's over at Duke, he can go have an autograph party. He can sign a Nike or an Adidas or an Under Armour deal, whatever you want. And, so, and I, I do believe that that deal has grown based upon uh, based upon all the, the promotion that he's he's received playing at Duke. That I agree with. I definitely agree with the fact that he went from being like a top five pick to the number one overall pick, which is the difference of you know probably ten to fifteen million dollars over the course of his four years, and then his shoe deal also grew. I think it would have grown just organically when people saw him, but I agree with you generally that it has grown by being at Duke. Having said that, what, what, what do you think Nike does? Today? What do you think Nike does? Today? Like, man, that is a bad. I'm a Nike guy. I love those guys. Have been good to me, but that just—it's one of those. It's not a great that's look. Indel- that's the—that's the indelible image of college basketball this year. Is Zion Williamson laying on the floor and his foot going through a shoe? It's not great. Right, we're it's talking not great Nike. Nike. We're Nike. No. <laughs> no. And, like by the way, again, like. Zion played on the Adidas circuit. Like this is, you know, he's, he's probably pretty new to Nikes in terms of wearing them regularly. Yeah, this it's not yeah. a great look for great look for them. Before we continue with Doug, I have a couple of ads I need to read for you. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. While other brokerages charge up to ten dollars for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no minimum account deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular stocks. Uh, With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Game Theory Podcast a 
free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio, sign up at GameTheory.RobinHood.com. That's GameTheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y.RobinHood.com. Uh, and you're going to get that free stock. Our second sponsor today is BetOnline.ag. It's another huge week across the NBA with some very exciting matchups. There's only one place to get in on all the action. It's BetOnline.ag. It's a sports casino. It's a virtual casino. You name it. BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. Use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% sign-up bonus, CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I'm looking forward to the Sacramento Golden State game tonight. going to be a really up-and-down game. I'll you know, probably look into considering betting on the over in that matchup. It's going to be a fascinating little game uh, just because it's always uh, a fun time to see DeMarcus Cousins go up against the Kings. Uh, Go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action every play. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Uh, you can also use the promo code clnsmedia.com slash win. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to Doug. Real quick before I let you go, let's talk about some guys that you like around college basketball. Um, I'm just going to give you the cool. floor. Who's a guy that is like way underrated right now in college basketball that like you think is a legit pro? Oh man, he put me on the spot like that. I'm, I'm I have names. I mean, I know you like Akpala a lot from uh, Stanford, man. He's really improved. He's an Orange County kid. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he's developed. I'm not sure he's as good as he's looked just because of the of the quality of competition, but he's really improved. I mean, to where um, there's a guy who's going to be a mid to late first round pick who I don't think most of America has seen. And he's a hybrid guy, multiple position defender. And as he improves it, you know, if he can really improve as a shooter, he should be a starter in the NBA. Um, I like Jordan Poole. I'm watching him right now. Like he didn't, he didn't make a, when I saw him last in person, it was against Wisconsin and yep. he missed a bunch of pull-ups. Um, but, but I'm more a process and result guy. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with his shot. There's nothing wrong with his body. He's big enough. And he does have the ability to get his own shot. I think he translates into the NBA. I don't know if he has to go this year. I'd like to see him make a higher percentage because I think he will next year. But I, I, like, I like Jordan Poole. Um, yeah, Jordan Poole's definitely I'm, like I'm, a top 40-ish guy for me. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I don't think, like Trey Jones, I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. I do think yeah. that here's the thing about Trey Jones that I that I like. Sorry, Super Roger. Um, is you know if you're going to be a backup guard, Ken- Kendall Marshall once got really upset at me. His dad got mad at me, and I as I said this is on draft day. I was doing I was doing my big board on ESPN, and I was like, I don't know what Kendall Marshall is as a pro because he's not good enough to be a starter, and as a backup. Backup point guards in the NBA, you pick up 94 feet, you change the tempo, and he's just kind of a non-athlete and a non-shooter. A great right. passer. And he's big. Now, he ended up tearing up his knee, and that's what led, led to him falling out of the NBA. But he was, it was kind of accurate. So what, I, I think you know, his brother, Tyus, obviously can make a shot but can't get by anybody. Trey can, Trey's a better athlete and can really defend. Yep. But, man, he is a shaky ball handler and decision maker, which I did not see coming. I thought he would be a lot more comfortable, but 
as a, again, a backup point guard or a third point guard, you can make the league if you can just guard people and then eventually get to where you can make a shot. The shot doesn't look broke. He just has no confidence in it right now as a freshman. Yeah. Um, Shoulder injury, too. It's probably worth saying that as well. Um, I'll tell you a guy that I, I think is going to be really, really good in time is uh, Dotson at, uh, at Kansas. You know, he, yeah, just, he has a gear. He has a gear that other kids don't have. He's got a gear. He's got a toughness. He's nasty. Um, he's obviously got to put major work for his jump, sh- jump shot. And I think then he, once he starts making jump shots, uh, I think he's got a, he's got a chance to, to, to be a starting point guard in the NBA. Um, and I, I'm watching him here war- warm up. And, you know, Michigan's got a point guard that is, isn't he kind of – he's like Eric Snow 2.0. And I don't know if Eric Snow could make the league these, day, these days. Yeah, that's kind of my question. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you make it as a non-shooter? I mean, here's the thing. So much of it is about fighting. Like, T.J. McConnell couldn't shoot in college. Right. All he took is mid-range jump shots his first, first couple years in the NBA. Now, he played on a terrible team, and he's, you know, from Pennsylvania, so they played him, and he made it, and he's tough as, tough as hell. But, I mean, isn't that what Michigan has? Isn't that why Michigan's so good defensively? Like, I, I wouldn't close the book on him as an NBA, NBA player. Um, so, I don't know. If you want to throw some guys at I me, mean, I'll tell you if I like them or I don't like them. I just, I'm kind of walking around here at Williams Arena. I don't have, I like, I'm, I'm running on fumes a little bit. All right, I'll throw you a few names here that I like, that I generally am a fan of, that I think will play in the NBA. Phil Booth. No. You do not think Phil Booth will play in the NBA? Nah, he can't get a step. I mean, maybe because he can make shots, but he can, can, you know, like the Villanova guys are all going to be overdrafted, but like he's everything that that Dante DiVincenzo isn't as a player, a shooter, um, I mean, he, he just makes shots, just jump up over you, but just not a very good athlete. I can't, I, I don't see it. I could be wrong. And you know, those, everybody loves Villanova's culture. They all want to get those guys fill out their bench. But I mean, look at, look at Josh Hart. And I think Josh Hart bumped into his ceiling as, as he's kind of, they've kind of figured out he's not a starting caliber player. And I don't think Bill Booth is anywhere near what Josh Hart was. And Josh Hart's yeah, a think, really, you know, good, big, strong athlete. I think he's a worse Josh Hart. I think basically with who can shoot it a little bit yeah, better. I, which gives me hope. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, man, it's hard when you're a non-athlete at, at, at the point. Um, so I'm going to say so, no, well, but well, that's I don't thing. love him. Like, go ahead. So if I, was, if I was a team drafting Phil Booth, I would play him off the ball next to a, like Giannis or a Ben Simmons or someone like that and just yeah. have him guard but then you have to, I mean, But, but then, then you got to be able to guard. Now, they can guard, but can he guard in the NBA when you can't put your hands on people? You can't be as physical as those. That's, you know, a good I mean, that's one of the things Josh Hart runs into is, exactly is they're right. like, man, Josh Hart's so physical, such a good defender. And then when he plays against starters, they're just like, yeah, but he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and they just shoot over. That's exactly right. That's a really good point. Matisse Thibel at Washington. I uh, like him a lot. I like both I like both Washington kids. Um, I think both Washington kids are pros. Here's what's fascinating about Washington. Those are the same guys that got Romar fired. I you know. know. I, was, I was talking about that with the assistant a couple days ago. Now, and some of it is, and, and here's the thing with Matisse is, how is he going to be in man-to-man? You know, like yep. now you got to relearn how to play defense a little bit. Um, so, but I, I, like, I like both. I think both of those, uh, both Ian Norvell, those guys are both guys that will play in the NBA. Noel or Zach Norvell? I mean, I mean uh, uh, Noel, I'm sorry. I, I, I combined, I did, I did the old uh, combination <laughs> of the two, a, a Zag and a, and, and a Husky, my bad. Give me, uh, give me Ty Jerome. 
Um, what is he in the NBA? I think that he's kind of similar to what I just said for Phil Booth, play him off the ball, have him run off screens constantly. He's more like Landry Shamity, though, uh, with the way that Philly used Landry Shamit this year. Uh, yep. Just run yeah, him off screens really constantly. Yeah. And he can be a secondary ball handler. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. It's all about finding um, a role, I think. Like, that's the biggest thing for me is just, like, finding what specific niche these guys can fit into. You know what I mean? Right. You, you have to find that niche. You have to somebody have somebody who believes in that niche, and then you have to have a team and a coach that develops that niche, right? Like, it's a whole, you know, it's a whole kind of combination of it. Um, um, I, here's, here's, I, have one, I, have, I have one question for you, and then I got to ask you. R.J. Barrett. <laughs> Are we convinced that he's going to be a great, great NBA player? I don't know about great. I do not know well, okay, about th- great. I, I, it's your podcast, and I want you to go on about it. But here's the thing. He's never not been the guy on a team. And if he's Correct. not great, then all of a sudden he has to not be the guy in his team. And I just don't – he's not a good enough shooter. Everything he does is off the ball screen or one-on-one with the ball in his hand. He's a ball stopper, not a ball mover. Like Now, look, I think he's, he'll defend, and I think he's got a good body, and I think he's competitive as shit. But I'm a little concerned that it's mechanical as a shooter – He's yep. more selfish than I thought he'd be, and I'm not convinced that he's some profound breakthrough starting talent. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're not the best player, like, if he can handle that. So I, I generally agree with you, and I agree with the point of the way that they get him looks. They do all sorts of stuff with, like, weaves at the top where they get smaller guys on him with switches, and then they'll start him on the right side of the floor and get him downhill going left. That stuff is really valuable, I think. And that's why he's been so good this year is because Coach K has put him in pretty good situations. Like we talked about Coach K not really running a whole lot of shit. That's probably the best thing that he's run this year. Um, Right. With RJ, what scares me is the selfishness and the lack of trust in his teammates. But I wonder if that improves whenever he has guys around him that can shoot. Because you watched that game last night. I think you called the game last night, right? No, no, I didn't call. I I was watching on TV. Oh, were you? I thought you were there for some reason. But you yeah. watch the game. No, but you're, and you're right. You're, you're the only right. Guy like, that you I would, I'm not sure I'd sh- pass to Trey Jones if he's standing wide open either. Yeah, and Jack White's missed 26 straight threes. And Marquise Bolton can't yeah. shoot. And he has no confidence in Alex yeah. O'Connell, who's shooting 34%, is like a little white guy shooter that's supposed to shoot. Uh, Jam Delorier can't shoot. So I'll be interested to see. It's kind of impressive to me that he went for like 33 and 14 last night with no spacing around him, no Zion. One of his best friends gets hurt. And he has the mental capacity to adjust to that and still go out and kill. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So... I generally believe it's, it's, it's gonna be fascinating. It's gonna be fascinating. Where I, we came into the season wondering, like R.J. Barrett, stud, number one yep. pick. I don't know what Zion's gonna be. I have a. I don't. You know, I'm I'm a little concerned about the weight and how he has the body holds up. But I'm 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 pretty convinced. I know what I I know what Zion's gonna be, and I'm not totally convinced. I know what R.J. Barrett's gonna be, and that really surprised me. Yeah, he's really, like, it's flipped which, by the way, totally. Which, by the way, it's flipped totally. Yeah, which is, by the way, why I love college basketball, because <laughs> it, gives you a much be- it gives you a much better sense of who a guy is, how he develops, how he handles the team, how he handles coaching. Y- you have a better, it's like a test drive. You know what you're buying when you're an NBA team. You know what you're buying when you're a fan. I, I-, I think it's an underrated part about it, which is, and I don't know if it's you tweeted, somebody tweeted, like, hey, let's not kid ourselves. Like, the NBA 
loves them to go to school for a year or two. So you find out who's bought in, who changes. And that's why I like two years. Because two years you see who, like, Russell Westbrook changed his body from year one to year two. Some of it was just general maturation, but some of it was he put in the work. And he became yeah. a freak. And, and I think you can see, you can see who, who wants it and who doesn't, uh, who doesn't want it. Um, anyway, you know, I, like the, the Porter kid at, at USC, <laughs> like, he, he, he's a freak talent, but I mean, I think this year in college basketball has been great because it's exposed the fact that he has, doesn't know the plays. He doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Oftentimes in the wrong place. He's obviously had some problems with buy-in. He doesn't want to play defense, you know, and it's like, now it's like buyer beware. Whereas if he had to stay for a second year, like he'd have to figure it out. He'd have to buy in more to what Andy's trying to do. And I think he'd be the better because of it. And so now you run the risk of he gets drafted somewhere in the first round because he's a talent. He goes to the G League and you have no idea like how he's going to be wired and how he's going to play. Yeah. Best advice I've heard for a team drafting Kevin Porter, sign Jamal Crawford. Uh, just period. Have Jamal around him every day. Have him like live right next door to him, for God's sake. Just put someone there that will be around Kevin and have him do the right things and work, you know, the way that he's capable of working. And, you know, the talent, the talent is there. It's all about just making sure that he's doing the right things. Doug, I'm going to let you go. Tell the people what's going on in your life. Tell the people where they can find you every day. Uh, I, I do a radio show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern time, 12 to Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. You can download the – I have an all-basketball podcast this week. I had Chris Lowry on. You remember him saying he was the head coach at Southern Illinois, former point guard at Southern Illinois, the assistant at Kansas State. Told some yep. stories about, uh, you know, what happened – you know, why he – you know, he, he grew up in Evansville, around Calvert Chaney, and so then Walter McCarty, some of those guys told some AAU stories. Uh, some stories about taking his first JUCO assistant job and then bouncing around and becoming Bruce Weber's assistant at SIU and then Illinois and then getting a head coaching job and then getting fired by his alma mater. Uh, you know, he, he uh, about a year year or two ago he buried a 15 year old son that special needs. We talked about Jeez. that. Um, so we talked about a lot of things. It's called All Ball. It's just like long form interviews like this where it's more about people's lives. Uh, and then of course you can check me out on Fox Fox Sports covering college basketball. Doug's the best. I really enjoy his work. Uh, we disagree on not everything, but a lot of stuff. And I still yeah. really enjoy talking to him every single time I talk to him. I do think that he is a great dude. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Till next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.